The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett, here with special guest co-host Reverend Michelle Jelinch. Today, we'll discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we will respond to a listener question or comment. So please let us know what's on your mind. We love to hear from you. Today's show is titled Finding Spiritual Guidance. When we first get into recovery, we learn that we need a higher power in order to grow and change. But once we've found something that works for us, even temporarily, we must learn how to rely on and be guided by this power. Today, we want to share our real-world experience, strength, and hope in finding and learning to trust our higher power in all things. We'll begin by sharing our own experiences of going it alone in life and then move into the solution of faith in a higher power. After the break, we'll share exactly how faith in a higher power helped us to move from going it alone to confident living. So Dan, could you share with us some of your experience of what it was like um, going it alone? Yeah, what I remember was, and this, this seems to happen a lot when I think back about you know, maybe around the time that I got on a recovery path is that I really didn't see it that way. I mean, I knew that I was fairly independent and that I preferred to uh, approach and solve a problem uh, by myself. But, you know, I would have looked around and said, what are you talking about? I talk to people at work. I work on projects with people who do this and that. I have a family and we talk to each other. But still, I think emotionally and deep down, I was, I, I did very much have that uh, mindset out of habit, you know, from a very young age, that mindset of, um, you know, step one is always uh, to do this myself, you know, and go it alone. So right. it definitely fits for me. Uh, that yeah. much is clear now. Yeah, it really fits for me too. I mean, I, I'm an only child and, um, you know, parents divorced when I was young. So I grew up alone a lot of the time. And as a result, I'm pretty fiercely independent. 
So I guess I could say the same thing that I, you know, I never thought of it as going it alone is just what I did. I've just always been this kind of lone wolf, you know, kind of person. And, um, you know, gosh, I don't know what more to say about that, except it's, it can be a lonely, a lonely experience. To it goes feel back like far. Yeah. 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 I think we have that in common and, I don't know if that's true for everyone. I know it's definitely true for us, and now I understand of, about you, and maybe there are others who have also had this experience. They could message us on Facebook, right, if they, <laughs> they wanted could. to let us know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I also, and I've said this many times, uh, by nature I'm an introvert, and as an introvert, um, interactions with others, people really, there's a cost associated with that. That's something that all introverts, we like, yeah, I know what you mean. And if you're not an introvert, that might be a very confusing concept. So just trust me that if you're an introvert, like I am, interactions with people have a cost associated with them. That doesn't mean I can't do it, but I am aware of the cost. And I am uh, oriented toward preserving my internal uh, energy and resources. And so... I tended to look at things. So, you know, talking about what is going it alone look like, one of my motivations for keeping things to myself and keeping things within myself is that it always felt like it had a cost to share uh, and interact with other people. So I would only do it if I really felt like it was necessary. Like basically if I had to, yeah. you know, I, I would, I would, I would, I would move out of my own inner space to deal with something only if I had to. If there was any way that I could do it myself, I was definitely doing it myself. Yeah. Well, you know, another way that going it alone looked for me was um, perfectionism. You know, feeling like I had to, I guess it's perfectionism is related to control um, because I didn't have a higher power on board. I was solely responsible for my life in my mind. And so I had to do everything perfectly and I had to try to control the outcome of things because nobody else was doing that for me, I felt. And so, you know, it's kind of like a, I've got to control the whole universe kind of feeling. If you, if there's no higher power on board, then it's me, I'm it. And, um, you know, there's a certain amount of control and feeling, you know, powerful with that, but at the same time, very lonely. And feeling um, not supported, like I had to figure it all out myself. You know, I'm reminded in this moment of that that old saw, that old saying, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. And yeah. depending on who we are internally, because this is very much uh, in, in an internal landscape that we're talking about and in internal experiences and reality. You know, if I really felt that way and maybe, you know, perfectionism, part of it is sort of that keeping that as a mantra, you know, uh, I, I know how to do it right. Other people, they're not doing it right. And mm -hmm. so I got to do it myself. That's a very, a lonely kind of place to be. So yeah. I can see um, that as well. And I think I have some of that. That's not a I guess I don't feel like that's a primary statement for me that if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. But the do it yourself part, I definitely identify yeah. with. And I can totally see how um, that could 
that could show up in many of us through many different routes. Mm -hmm. And I think it has and does. But the upshot is the same. Uh, at the end of the day, I'd rather just go it alone than have yeah. to involve other people. Yeah, you know, and another way that going it alone um, looked for me was uh, I had a lot of fears. Um, sort of more general fears about like the way things were going to turn out and feeling like I needed to force them or try to make them happen a certain way. But also even fears like I was afraid to be at home alone. I was afraid to walk in a dark parking lot. Um, I was afraid to be in a building by myself, just kind of weird fears. And uh, I think that that was because I had no belief in a higher power. So I did truly feel alone. And I can just remember that um, really paralyzing fear in certain circumstances. But that, you know, we'll talk more about that later, but that has completely um, gone away since coming to believe in a power greater than myself. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about again, and then uh, you know I may be repeating myself, but this was such a strong motivation in me to not involve other people in any problem that I was having, and and the it, it's clear to me, and, and I'm not this way anymore. I'm I'm fairly quick to reach out for help now, and I'm very grateful for that. But you know, historically in my life certainly as a kid and as a younger person, uh, having to involve other people in a problem I was having was never a good idea. Never <laughs> a good idea. I was very sure about that. Um, I even remember, you know, as a little kid, just sort of intensely looking to avoid, like if I had a stomach ache or something like that, I didn't want to let anybody know that that was happening. It was just, for for reasons unknown to me, mm -hmm. it was super clear that I need to keep this to myself. I don't yeah. think I even would could say why I was doing that. But looking back on it, you know, the, the gift of that is I can look back on it and say, wow, I really had this strong, whatever this is, I had it big time back then. This going it alone thing runs very far back in my past, very deep. Yeah, I think it can be a really common experience, you know, and you have the introversion thing. I'm very extroverted, but I've heard a lot of people share in 12-step recovery groups about feeling alone, even when with others. So that feeling of being alone, even in a crowd, um, or that feeling of somehow being unique or different, not like other people, not able to connect with others. I think it, I had that experience and I think it's a very common experience. You know, the other thing about going it alone is, um, you know, in life, there are so many decisions we have to make all the time. And before I had a higher power on board, I had to make those decisions entirely by myself. I had no concept of seeking a higher guidance, um, you know, whether we see that as God or my own higher self or however we conceive of that. Um, I just had to make decisions on my own with no one to turn to, no support, no one to get help from. And that was, you know, a lonely experience as well. And making decisions was very hard for me because I didn't have that practice of seeking a higher guidance. 
yeah, for me, seeking assistance, even, you know, let alone any kind of divine assistance, even human assistance was something I was not really interested in pursuing for all the reasons I've said. Introvert is part of it. Um, maybe unknown is part of it, just the way I'm wired. Who knows? I do know that um, the result of this way of being that I did not see at the time was uh, a general lack of connection. And by connection, I mean like a heart connection with people. I had, you know, conversations and right. physical <clears throat> proximity and, and all of that stuff. I wasn't, you know, living, I wasn't literally living on my own as a kid. I was part of a family, but I lacked that heart connection, which mm -hmm. I, of course, didn't know that that's what I lacked. You know, how it is, especially when you're young, things are how they are. It's a, how do I got nothing to compare it to. How would I know that this is a good or not a good way to do thing? I, things. I, I think that's something that we pick up over time. And you know, I know that I did. It occurs to me that there was for me and maybe for you as well, a general lack of trust in other people and sort of in the universe in general, this yeah. feeling that the universe was not a friendly place. And I think that's the feeling of not having a belief in any sort of higher power is that, um, you know, the universe is sort of out to get me. I can't trust other people and therefore I have to do it all myself. I'm the only one I can trust. It's safer. Yes. I'm glad you said that. And I, I, I definitely concur with that. I had that experience. I didn't, I don't think I could, I, it, it didn't articulate in my head until you said it. And then when you said it, yeah, that's exactly it. It's not safe. It's not okay. Uh, I'm, I'm alone in all of this. Mm -hmm. um, for, Very for lonely feeling. Reason. It is. But, and, 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 and worse in a way, um, no alternative. So there's mm -hmm. some, you know, mixing in some sense of helplessness, perhaps with it, some sense of powerlessness. <laughs> in there as well. Again, very common experiences for us humans. And, um, you know, to be carrying those things as a kid is quite a challenge and a burden and, and yeah, quite difficult. Yes. But uh, now that we know about this challenge of going it alone, we may ask, what is the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principle. Sorry, more specifically, human beings are imbued with 12 spiritual faculties, which we call the 12 powers. And one of these spiritual faculties or abilities, one of these 12 powers is faith. And that is what we want to focus on today. But what exactly is faith? What do we mean by that? And more importantly, what does it mean to have faith in a higher power? You know, how, do, how is it that we come to believe in a higher power? So, Michelle, what do you remember about that, especially in pre-recovery or early recovery, as you develop that thing that we call faith in a higher power? Well, when I um, first came into recovery, I didn't have any kind of faith in anything, really. Um, I had long since left, you know, any kind of organized religion or praying to a God or believing in God or anything like that. Um and so, you know, when I came into 12-step recovery and started hearing about this higher power, I didn't know what it was or how I was going to get one. 
And I think I've shared this before that I had a sponsor who, for whatever reason, this was the right thing to say to me. She told me that I could just borrow hers until I got my own. And for whatever reason, like I say, that really worked for me because I didn't, okay, it was like one step removed. I didn't have to believe in it yet. I could just I could believe in it because she did, or I could believe in her higher power. <laughs> and that was this little step of remove that I needed um, to get to the place where I could believe, or I could have a higher power of my own. And so I believed because she did, or I believed because the group did. I just kind of took it as all these other people are talking about this thing called a higher power. So there must be something to it, but I'm not sure what it is yet. And of course, um, it was a, you know, a very, a, a process of um, evolving that over time. And I can say that many years later, it's still evolving. My understanding of all of that is constantly changing and evolving. What the higher power is to me um, is always changing and evolving. I think it's a very hard thing for human beings to even get a grasp of. So, you know, it's, it's just an ongoing evolution and expansion um, of what that even means to me. Yeah, I like that ongoing evolution for sure. I've had that experience. And when I think about what what does faith look like and you know how, how did I come to it, it is one of our unity 12 powers. And in the in that framework, um, faith is seen as our ability to believe, to intuit and perceive. So it, it's a, you know, and each of those words is really a very different thing. Belief is a kind of internal decision that I make. You know, intuit is, you know, intuition is a, is a gut feeling or an instinct. And then we're also talking about perception, which is different than either of the others. So it is just kind of a weird mix of things. And um, I have always found it, you know, it's, it's a term that gets used a lot. I think it's an actual thing, but I do find it that it's elusive when trying to, you know, trying to draw a circle around it, so to speak, with words. It's one of those things that it seems very real to me because of my experience, mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like it lends itself well to a, a definition with words. So yeah, it is all those things, but it's part believing, part intuiting, part perceiving. Um, it's a, it's a kind of knowing in a way that's based on nothing that I can detect, you know, but it's, but, but it's still, a, it's still very real. Yes. Um, ironically, because I just shared that in my early recovery, I had to believe in my sponsor's higher power. I did find over time that the God of my understanding was something that I experienced personally. It was a very personal thing, something that I experienced in times of prayer and meditation, a, a presence that came to me as a very real palpable presence. And like you mentioned, it's impossible to describe that to another human being. It's impossible to even describe it to myself if I were to try to write it down or put it into words. And so, um, you know, it, what I love about unity is that that was validated for me is that, um, it wasn't somebody else's understanding of God, but it was my own internal experience. And that's the kind of thing that stays with you that, um, 
you know, doesn't go away over time because it's a powerful inner experience. I'm reminded of a, a famous Bible verse. I, I sometimes refer to, the, you know, there are certain Bible verses that it feels like we've all heard and known, and this is one of them. Let's call it, this is one of Paul's greatest hits. <laughs> anyway, it's Hebrews 11.1, 1, uh, and, and it reads, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, yes. the conviction of things not seen. Yeah. And um, I've, I think there's a lot to these words. Mm -hmm. He's using, you know, two, two basic concepts here. Assurance of things hoped for. So, again, what, what is not real at this moment, yet there is assurance somehow in there. And it's also a conviction, a belief. So yes. conviction meaning a strong, uh, a very strongly rooted belief of things that I can't even see. Right. And I think it's a, it's an apt description of a very slippery um, kind of concept. And I find that verse uh, very helpful. It's one of my favorites, Hebrews 11.1. 1. It is. It's a beautiful verse. And it's it occurs to me that what it's getting at in general is, is what in unity we would call you know, the belief in what we would call the spiritual realm. So we have the material realm, things that we can touch and see and hear and feel. But we believe that there's a whole other realm that exists, sort of, um, like Fillmore would say, back of, <laughs> back of that, you know, behind all of that. And um, it can't be seen with the human eye, and it can't necessarily be touched or felt and so there is a certain belief in, um, you know, like you say, it's a conviction, it's a belief in that which we cannot see, but which through our experience becomes very real to us. And so, you know, faith to me, in a way, it's a very subtle thing, um, but also very profound, you know, and difficult to put into words. It is, you know, I'm glad that you said those things because the what jumps to mind as uh, as I hear you share that is that it is a belief in in what I call a non-material reality, mm -hmm. which sounds like a strange idea, but again, it's one of those um, the fish doesn't see the water kind of deals. Like, you know, how can there be a non-material reality? Well, it's the realm of mind. It's the yeah. realm of consciousness. Right. It's the realm of the idea. I mean, what is that? And you could say, well, you know, if we knew enough about science, we could see that it's a bunch of electrical impulses and da-da-da. Yeah, is that how you perceive it? Is that how I experience it? Right. I mean, that might be what it is, but that's like saying, well, there's no such thing as a table. It's just a bunch of molecules and da 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 da. Right. Well, yeah, but I can also put my plate on it. I mean, it's a thing. It's real to me, uh, regardless of how we might pick it apart. And whatever this is, this non-material reality, it underpins the physical reality. That's kind right. of the core of the, um, uh, you know, metaphysical belief system, the relative right. realm. The absolute realm, right. etc. So yeah, I mean, th those kinds of things help me um, apprehend what seems um, unapprehendable. Yes, uh, Paul called the assurance of things hoped for. It's it's invisible yet it's very very real. 
Well, that makes me think of another point that um, a big part of faith for me has been and continues to be embracing mystery that I don't understand exactly what it all looks like. And, you know, um, unity came out of a time when science was becoming a really big deal and um, things, you know, needed to be provable and such. Um, but there's still a lot of mystery in the spiritual path that, you know, I'm never going to be able to intellectually understand or describe how it all works. And so there's a certain just embracing that mystery. I don't have to know exactly how it works or what it looks like or describe it scientifically, but I know what it does in my life. I know how my life changed when I came to believe. I know how my life is different now when I operate from that place, believing that such a thing exists. And a huge part of faith for me from going from, you know, going it alone and the universe is not a friendly place and I have to figure everything out myself and power through life by the sheer force of my own will um, to a place in trusting that, you know, like our first principle says, there is only God. It's all God and it's all good. That was a huge shift for me. The idea that there was, and I don't know exactly how it works. There's that mystery, but a belief that there's a bias for good, that there is some force of love and goodness that's operating in the universe. And I can trust that. Now, faith doesn't mean that things are going to turn out the way I want or that I'm going to get the things I hope for or even pray for in the way that I think I'm going to. Um, but there's that trust that there is this goodness and this um, basic movement towards more expansion, more understanding, more love, more compassion in the universe, and that I can trust that that's happening. I like that a lot. You know, you said something that reminded me that the word spirit in English is from the Greek esprit, which means wind. And it's it's very much like that. I can't see the wind, but I can see the trees move. So I know that there's something there, but I can't see it. Yeah. It's a it's a in that case a non visible sort of um, reality. And and in the in the Hebrew scripture. Uh, in, in in that tradition, they, there's the ruach, the breath of God. You know, in Genesis, God breathed life into the clay to make human. Th this There's something about wind and breath. It's invisible, but it has power as a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a metaphor. It's an analogy. It's not the literally life force. that. But it, yes, it's that kind of thing. It's like I can see the tree moving but I can't see the wind. I know that there's something going on. And so I'm going to name it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. make a placeholder or a signpost for it, which of course is all that a word is, is a signpost. But right. let us hold this thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. So please stay with us. listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett. I'm here with Reverend Michelle Jellinch. And we'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there, and each week we'll respond during the show to a listener question or comment. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, we would. So prior to the break, we were discussing the power of faith, this sort of elusive, mysterious thing. What is it? What, you know, how did we come to believe and how does it operate in our lives? So Dan, now that we know that the challenge is going it alone and the solution is faith in a higher power, how exactly does that faith in a higher power lead us to confident living? You know, that is a really big question <laughs> uh, when I consider it. And my, my, the very first answer that jumps to mind when I ask myself that is addiction recovery. Mm-hmm. Addiction recovery for me has been the blueprint that everything else has followed thereafter because it is re- recovery is a spiritual growth uh, program as, as we do it. I've, I've heard it asked rhetorically or someone mentioned, uh, you know, in a recovery meeting, something about this quote, the quote, spiritual part of the program. And, and the response is there is no spiritual part of the program, yeah. the whole program is a spiritual way of living. It is a spiritual addiction recovery program. And so the way, you know, the first and the primary way that I've used faith in a higher power to move from going it alone, like we talked about, to living confidently is illustrated at least, you know, outlined, demonstrated might be a better word in addiction recovery. So anybody who is, you know, doing the deal, anyone that is working the program and finds that it's working in their lives is answering that question. You know, we we become a living answer um, to how that works. Yeah. Well, the first thing that came to my mind when I thought about how um, life was different after coming to believe in a power greater than myself was, you know, I shared in the last segment about feeling very alone and like I had to figure things out on my own and and even being fearful when home alone. So when I had that experience of coming to believe, it was such a relief, such a huge relief. I wasn't alone anymore. Um, I had this new partner in life, uh, this higher power, this God that, you know, metaphorically walked with me through everything and that I could bring to bear on everything in my life from, you know, I shared about being afraid when I was home alone. And I began to just, when I would get that feeling, just affirm, no, I'm not alone. God is here. And, um, that was so powerful for me. Um, it must've been so deep that my loneliness was you know, that I didn't even realize that that relief was so great for me, that I wasn't alone, that there was this higher power that, you know, loved me and would walk through life with me. You know, one way that I'm remembering that a way that faith helped me live more confidently is, and and kind of what you're saying, it's, it's, it can act as an antidote, so to speak, to the fear 
that I carry in life. And so because it did that, does that, it makes it so I'm far more willing to work with other people Mm. much more readily. Um, Nowadays, you know, when, when we talked before about uh, reluctance to, um, you know, get involved with other people, always wanting to do things alone, et cetera. Um, I still have some of that. And of course, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a great power in being able to, to having that possibility. But it's even better to have a choice where I can decide, is this something that feels good and right for me to uh, move through on my own? Or is this something that uh, would be much, much better if I was willing to reach out? But And now I have that ability. Mm. And a lot of it is because just like you're saying, that that faith provides some kind of antidote to the fear that I was living with, that it makes what used to be unbearable, bearable. Yeah. And that is for me, uh, you know, engaging others in something that I'm doing, sharing what's going on with me in the world, just like we do on this show. You know, I could never be doing this uh, before. I really had to get to a place where faith in a higher power uh, helps me. And again, harking back to the Apostle Paul's word, assurance, assurance that truly all is well. It's okay to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Faith was an antidote to fear for me. And I watched over years, over the years, some of those really um, pretty, you know, big fears that I had um, subside and really be completely eradicated. I don't have those fears anymore. You know, it was also an antidote to the need to control. Uh, going it alone meant, you know, controlling everything. And when I took the third step, which was to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, as I understood God, wow, what a shift. I mean, it was almost like the heavens opened up and, you know, my, my whole life just shifted. Um, I didn't have to control things anymore. I didn't have to, um, that there was, you know, and my understanding of how God operates in the universe is always changing and evolving, and it's probably very different than it was back then. But this idea that God is in charge, that um, there is this force of love operating in the universe, uh, holding a thing, you know, all things together in perfect divine order, and it didn't require my assistance in order to, <laughs> in order to operate, you know. Uh, for this control freak, that was huge huge imagine all the energy being wasted trying to um hold up the universe myself and i didn't have to do that anymore um like i say my understanding of what that means now when i say god is in charge is a little bit different than it was back then but uh the idea that i didn't have to operate by the sheer force of my own will was such a huge shift in my life there's a phrase that comes to mind, uh, and I must have heard it from a teacher, but it, it's become central for me, and it's this. There's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that's going on, which, which really means, if I'm being honest, whatever it is I think is going on, you know, I'm, I'm limited to my own perception and, and understanding when we talk about how things function in the world. Right. Uh, whatever I think is going on, I'm guaranteed there is more to it than that. Absolutely. It runs deeper than that. There are influences at play that mm-hmm. aren't apparent to me in this moment. Um, kind of like you're saying, it's not all about me. 
I, right. I have an integral uh, part in all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I do believe in a firm um, what I think came from Rumi saying, you know, you're not uh, a drop in the ocean. You're the ocean in a drop. Yes. I get that. And, mm-hmm. I, and there is a level on which that is profoundly true. You know, not the physical, but like we're talking about the spiritual, the, the level of um, or the realm of the non-material reality, the realm of the spirit. That is absolutely true. But it helps me and faith helps me to be OK with the idea that what whatever I think or think I know, there's more going on than that. There's more to yes. it than that. And that's okay. Because in the yeah. past, it was not okay to right. not know what was going on because it wasn't safe to not know what was going on. But now it is safe to not know what's going on. It's a much, much better, for me, a far preferable way to live. Absolutely. Um, it's like I mentioned in the last part where, you know, the sh- big shift for me was from thinking that the world was a basically hostile place to learning to believe that the world was a basically friendly place. That was a very big shift for me that I didn't have to fear all things. And now, does that mean nothing bad is ever going to happen to me? No, it doesn't mean that. Um, but it's just a way of operating in the world, a way of a worldview, you know, is the universe based. I think Einstein, didn't Einstein say something about, you know, the world is basically the universe is either a friendly universe or not. And you get to choose, you know, you get to choose how you um, what you believe about that. And I choose to believe that the universe is a friendly place. Um, so it doesn't mean nothing bad will ever happen to me, but it means that I will never be alone in going through that. And so for me, the um, confident living and, you know, living through faith in a higher power, it meant that I could begin to let go, let go of that grip on life, you know, um, let things unfold on their own. Now, I don't know about for you, but for this addict, that was big. That was a huge realization that I could let things unfold. I mean, I think I always thought you can't just let things unfold. They won't unfold properly. <laughs> you know. And so just loosening that grip on my will and my need to force things and control my life to let go and trust that the universe was a friendly place, trust that things would work out, maybe not the way I want them to, but they would ultimately work out for my highest good. And just let things unfold on their own. Such, for me, such a better, more beautiful, more joyous way to live. Absolutely. I've learned along the way, and this is a way that, that faith in a higher power helped me you know, get out of uh, living in that loner mindset into living more confidently, is that um, when I have these flashes of insight, you know, I think most of us are very familiar with what that's like, that I can trust those things. You know, I can I can move ahead confidently. I can live confidently based on uh, what I might call a, a flash of insight, you know, an inspiration. To me, it's very much a spiritual thing. But even, you know, even people who don't identify as spiritual in any way, we're still we're still the same creatures and we can still have those deep flashes of knowing seemingly out of nowhere, yeah. uh, even if we conceive of them differently and we can trust them. And uh, that's been a, a big thing for me 
is living that way and I yes. have lived that way and it, it makes life so much easier. It literally takes less energy. It's a lot less fearful way to live because I don't feel like I have to understand how everything works in order to be okay, which is an impossible task. So all I could do is feel like I understood how everything worked and that uh, is uh, false. I mean, I, I certainly understand some things to some degree and uh, I use that in, in my work and to navigate the world and that's important. But once again, there's more to it than that. What about yes. the whole piece of it that is unperceived to me at this moment yet is still very much a reality? You know, that idea that if I don't see it or understand that it, it doesn't exist is so silly now that I see it in myself and look at it that way. I like to say that, you know, there was a time when I didn't believe in gravity, but it got <laughs> annoying when I kept floating away. And so I decided to start believing in gravity again so that uh, I wouldn't be inconvenienced by not being uh, held tight to the ground. No, of course, that's ridiculous. The point is, though, there are things going on whether I know it or not, right. whether I understand it or not, and whether I believe it or not. In fact, it's probably safe to say that most of what is going on is that which we can't see, you know, that which is operating in a non, you know, visible to the human eye realm. So, yeah, so you mentioned intuition and um, it made me think about, you know, how did my life operate differently once I came to believe and have faith in a power greater than myself? And what it meant was that I sought God's guidance in all things. So I would no longer make any kind of decision or take a job or enter a relationship or do anything without at least praying um, seeking some sort of higher guidance. And um, so then how do we know what the guidance is? <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that's something that we learn over a lifetime. We definitely don't have that, you know, we don't have that all figured out at the beginning. It took time for me to begin to understand how to follow that guidance. And you talked about intuition and what what is intuition? How do I know when it's my intuition? When is it that still small voice? And when is it all of my fears and subconscious neuroses and programming um, coming up? And I struggled a lot with that in early recovery. You know, I would try to make a decision and I would get this, this feeling, this fear, you know, would like grip my stomach. And I would think, oh, well, that's telling me that this is not the right thing to do. And it took me a long time to sort all of that out. Um, one rule of thumb that I can suggest that worked for me is that if it comes from fear and anxiety, um, angst, you know, then it, it is most likely not higher guidance. It is most likely not intuition. If it comes from love and expansiveness, uh, a feeling, a feeling of rightness, then it, it is the higher guidance that I'm getting. So that's for each person to sort out on their own. But um, that was definitely something that was a part of my, and, you know, continues to be. I mean, God doesn't speak to me with a bullhorn. I don't know about you. Um, God doesn't, you know, put up billboards telling me what I'm supposed to do. It's a very subtle um, thing that each one of us has to learn to to seek and to heed and to hear um, in our own way. 
I feel like, in a sense, and this is definitely in hindsight, that I was guided toward recovery by this, you know, this very thing that we're talking about. Um, I, I have, um, I'm grateful that I found unity and I started attending, you know, weekend spiritual growth retreats before I got sober. And I now, looking back on it now, it, it's very clear to me that that was the beginning of my sobriety journey. I didn't know it at all at the time. But I went uh, overnight from being someone that didn't even know what you meant when you said, turn within and check your guidance, <laughs> yeah. let alone being able to do it, to being able to trust my life to it. Yeah. And that, that was through my um, firewalking experience at oh. spiritual growth retreats. The first time I went there, uh, it was a weekend retreat, and, and I kept hearing. I guess I knew, but i kind of forgotten. On Sunday afternoon and evening, we were going to do a firewalk, you know, which is, of course, the practice of walking barefoot on red-hot coals, you know, like we do. Yeah. And as we're approaching that and I'm thinking, this is insane. What are we doing here? And, and, and the leader kept saying, you will know, you'll know what to do. Check your guidance. And wow. if you don't know what your guidance feels like, and it's different for different people, if you don't know what divine guidance is for you, you will know before this day is done. Oh, and I wow. thought, well, that would be cool because I have no idea what this is like. And so the process for the firewalk, we had built a fire, then we came inside and we did a three-hour workshop while the fire's burning down from logs down to coals, right? So uh, after the workshop, when everything, when the fire is burnt down, it's, it's raked out and we go in single file. We we're uh, walking in a big circle around the coal bed while it's being raked out. And we're chanting a chant that we were taught. And I'm still wondering, what is this guidance thing? I have no idea what's going on. I'm just literally putting one foot in front of the other and um, it, nothing was happening. And then some people were starting to walk. You know, some people had done this before, not me, but other people had done this before. And I'm seeing that happen. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I don't even know what to do. And I'm starting to get really irritated um, by this point. And I got so irritated that I just finally <laughs> had to sort of break out of this mental, um, you know, cycle that I was in. I realized I was way up in my head. And I just had, I just took a deep breath and I took my eyes off of the ground in front of me where I'd been staring. And I just took a deep breath and I just looked around. And where we were, it was twilight. It was absolutely gorgeous. And at that moment, the breeze moved through the trees that were near where we were. And it had that particular sound like birch trees have a particular rustly, papery so it had that sound, and when I, when I felt the breeze and I saw the trees move and I heard the sound, this feeling of joy welled up from right in the pit of my stomach and just oh took over God. my whole body. And at that moment, I thought, damn, she's right. Oh. I get it. I get I, that. I know what that is. I didn't know that was divine guidance, but now I do. And I walked that coal bed, and I didn't burn my feet. And that was the night I learned what my divine guidance felt like. And I'll forever be grateful for that because I have lived from that place since then. That yeah. helped me get sober. Wow. That's an amazing story, Dan. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about that before. 
that's a thank you so much for sharing that. I got goosebumps when you um, said that's that's that guidance, you know. Um, what a powerful experience. So you had a spiritual awakening is what you had in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous tells us that in order to get sober and stay sober, and I think this applies to all addictions, we must have a spiritual awakening. That's the difference between all the things that people, you know, might have tried to get sober before. That's the difference is there must be a spiritual awakening. Now that can look different for everyone. It does look different for everyone. That's what it was for you, but that was your moment. Yeah. And I think my moment was, um, when I took the third step, you know, I took the third step on my knees and it was, um, I could not have predicted that this was going to happen, but it just, I felt something and something happened. There was a surrendering, a surrendering of my will and my need to control and, you know, surrendering. I didn't even know exactly what I was surrendering it to at that point. I just had a little fledgling understanding of a higher power, but it was a profound moment for me. And it wasn't even so much that moment as how my life began to change instantly after taking that third step. That's when, that's when it just all really changed for me. Um, I think because it was just such a different way of approaching life that I, I could surrender. I didn't have to control. I didn't have to figure it out. I had this higher power on board that was going to guide me, was going to help me. And um, that was my spiritual awakening. And we need to have those moments, like I say, that look different for everyone. But that is the difference in being able to get sober and stay sober. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and I've observed, and it's been my experience, that even though I had that, that profound experience gave me a tool. It taught me something very, very important that I could build on, but it didn't, it didn't make me sober. You know, I was still yeah. an active drunk at the time. It just became something that I could rely on as That's I walked right. the recovery path. And right. what I found is that it's not, it's not, you're not, there's no requirement to have a, you know, a profound experience that, um, is moving in that way because yeah. I've had many little ones along right. the way, little insights, and we kind of build it over time. What does the appendix of the book call it? The the um, educational variety of spiritual growth. There's no need for a white light experience. Right. And honestly, in my based on my own experience, and I've had a couple white light experiences, and they are profound and helpful and moving, but they are not the bulk of my spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. They are a couple events here and there that more than anything affirmed what I was learning one little step at a time from this meeting, from falling down and getting up again, from this uh, trusted advisor or or sponsor or what have you. And so um, I, I have spoken with people that felt like, well, you know, maybe I'm not doing this right because I never had anything profound. Um, that is not the case at mm -hmm. all. Yeah. Uh, if we're do if you're doing it, you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. And well, trust me, it will become more clear in hindsight, you know, mm -hmm. than it can be when we're actually in it, because it's in it's only in hindsight a lot of the times that we can look back and say, wow, I can't believe how far I have come since then, even though as we were walking that path, it really didn't look like that very much at all. Yeah. But let us now shift gears once again and turn our attention to a question or a comment from you. 
our listeners. So here's a question that often comes up. Many of us, when we come into recovery, have abandoned or rejected the religion of our upbringing, and we struggle with the idea of coming to believe in a higher power. So the question that often comes up is this, how can I reconcile my past religious experiences, which I did not like, with this whole (laughs) higher power concept that I'm hearing about in 12-step recovery? Oh, well, it's a big topic, but the great thing about unity is that we don't tell people what to believe, and we don't tell people how to experience God. Instead, we affirm each person's individual understanding of God and their own growing and evolving experience of spirituality. We seek to support people in developing an understanding of and a relationship with what we call God, of our own understanding, through the practice of prayer and meditation. Yeah, that, that's exactly my answer as well, is it, it, I don't have to reconcile them. Am I willing to be uh, to open to the idea that maybe, once again, there's more to it than that, that there's a lot more going on that I know, and maybe this whole higher power thing is very different than my take on the religion of my upbringing. And if I'm able to set that aside long enough, just make the space then I have a chance to make that discovery. Yeah. Yeah, even calling it higher power instead of God can be helpful because it's like starting from ground zero with a brand new understanding of what that means. Yeah, so let's close with this affirmation. I'm connected to the divine presence within through my prayers. The gentle presence of spirit guides and directs me. The gentle presence of spirit guides and directs me. Well, we've come to the end of our time here today, and we hope you found something to help you on your own recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to this podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Tune in. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.